Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Fourth and ten, Buffalo from their 36. Shotgun snap. Allen dances around, throws the pass. And it's caught, and that's a first down inbounds. The clock will wind, and it is Sanders tackled quickly by James Pierre. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. You're back in the locker room with Wolf and Starks. It is a great Steelers victory Monday. The Steelers come out of Buffalo my hometown, where I grew up 2.4 miles from that stadium, 2.4, I say. All right, that's because I know as a young fat guy, I had to run to the stadium and back, which was a long way, brother. But we measured that out, and I will tell you, it was all of 2.4. All right, so coming back, Max, you know, I, I, I think about a guy, and I, it happens to be your first game ball, but boy, oh boy, you talk about trickeration with the wind, my friend. There was a lot of windage going on there, and it played a factor. And I was wondering how it might work out, but it worked out great. Yeah, no, it, it did. I mean, early on, it was trying to figure out how the wind was going to blow. And the problem in that stadium, because it is that enclosed space, when that wind comes over the top of it, it just creates a swirl because – you know, Missy and I are on the sidelines, and literally one minute it's blowing in one direction, then another minute it's blowing in another way. You feel it at your back, you feel it at your face, you feel it coming from a side. And for Chris Boswell to go out there and just absolutely nail each of his kicks, I thought was huge. And that one at the end of the game uh, to, to really seal things and ice it as a two-score game was tremendous because he was kicking directly dead into the wind it was up to 17 miles an hour. So that 40, it looks like a 45 yarder on paper, but I guarantee you it had to feel like a 60 yarder to Chris to cut through all of that force coming at him. And it was a tremendous moment where he didn't, he didn't break under the pressure and he just delivered an absolute strike to the, to the field goal. Polls. Max, I, we were talking when we were sitting around there and I was telling you about the time when we played up in Orchard Park back in my playing days in the, the days, you know, back before the uh, the orcs and elves were doing battle in Middle Earth and all that sort of things, you know, in the Dark Ages. And, you know, Harry Newsom was our punter, and we had a wind blowing in the same direction as what Boswell was facing. Now, you got to remember that this stadium in Orchard Park is actually dug down into the ground. So when the wind comes along and then it hits the stadium, you know, part of it is it's not like it's straight up in the air and it's high. It's a part of it is, is down below ground level, and that wind just comes down and we'll, it'll just pick up steam and blow in your face. Well, Newsom punted the ball and tried to drive it. He hit it good. But as soon as it hit the line of scrimmage, that thing went straight up in the air like a rocket. 
and it landed three yards in front of the line of scrimmage. I've never seen anything like it, but that's how hard the wind was blowing. We were actually on the sidelines yelling at the gunners to turn around and run back to the line of scrimmage because the ball was all the way back three yards in front of the line of scrimmage. So that's how hard the wind can blow. I thought uh, the Wizard of Boz stepping up and nailing, as you were talking about, all five of his place kicks you know, including the three field goals. But that clincher with 242 to go, as you said, 45 yards. Man, that was sweet. And you know who you got to give a little prop to? We got a, a new Is snapper, that- Christian Kuntz, and we got a new holder, That's Presley right. Harbin. You know, I mean, there's a lot of newbies and first-timers doing stuff under high-pressure conditions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Presley Harbin, I was definitely going to say, did a tremendous job. You know, for a guy who won the Ray Guy Award, a draft pick, you know, he takes over Jordan Berry's spot. You know, it's it's easy mentally when you don't get the yardage, right, as a punter. Like, you just want to see distance, distance, distance. But I thought he did a fantastic job of adjusting. He felt the wind in his face, and everybody's like, why is he doing, like, the drop kick where he kind of you, – you drop it and it kind of spins forward. But that was one of the key kicks that pinned Buffalo deep making that decision as opposed to going for a normal punt because he saw previously when he did it, that was that 32 yarder that kind of hung in the air. It went, like you said, straight up and then kind of dove off to the left. Well, the wind just at that moment was coming from the opposite side of him. And the very next punt, he made that adjustment and he did that end over end kick that allowed the ball to trickle down inside the five. So, you know, Presley did a tremendous job and of course holding and making sure he didn't have a Finkel moment, you know, laces out. He made sure that he got it. He got it done. But, uh, <laughs> and and uh, Christian Coons, you know, the Duquesne Duke, uh, what a tremendous young man. You know, I had a chance to talk to him uh, throughout the preseason on the sidelines, kind of keep him motivated because he knew he was up against a hard job trying to take Canada's job. And and he just he performed. He, he just had solid snaps the entire time and did a great job. You know, even yesterday, like talking with the kickers, making sure that the ball's coming to them the right way. To make sure that the holds were good on the sideline. So to have so many new moving parts, I thought the special teams unit really did exceptional yesterday. I think you're right on, man. I mean, the special teams did and performed excellently in just about all phases. The only the only one was when, like you talked about, Presley, you know, booted that one, the Shankopotamus that went like 30 yards or so, whatever it was, and it was it was hit by the yeah. wind, and he adjusted. He had a 46, a 51 yarder. He averaged over 40 yards a kick. I mean, there's that's a pretty good coming out party for a guy who had to go into a really tough venue. You know, not with notwithstanding all the pressure of first game and, and being a rookie and, and, and being in, in, you know, Buffalo and that wind and everything, but he performed well. And part of it is just, you know, having the ability to go from trying to drive the ball to being the holder. I Here's the thing. Have you ever tried to snap the ball? Did you ever try to do that? So I, I did try long snapping, but I'm left-handed. So the ball, the spiral came out opposite direction right Right. you wanted to spin this way my ball spent that way um i i spent some time doing it and it's still one of those things it's still so tough to go from long snap to short snap um and i have all the respect in the world for those guys you know <laughs> greg warren my good buddy who was right. there for forever you know and, and of course mike schneck were my were my two uh log snappers while i was at pittsburgh you know i love those guys and um 
And yeah, I, I go and mess around with them, but it, it, it's a whole new world. It's it's something I I, I never want to have to do. I, I I like keeping my head up. I don't like putting my head between my legs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny part is I was a rookie. I snapped. Bradshaw was the backup punter. And during practice one time when Chuck, he, he wanted, you know, he was trying to see who could snap in that. I snapped the first one like 10 yards over Bradshaw's head. The second one went 15 yards to the right. The third one I rolled back. Chuck said, take it in. <laughs> there's, no, there's no hope for the kid here. All right, let's go yeah, to the well, floor. Oh, go oh ahead. Go ahead, man. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you remember when James Harrison had to go in? Oh, that's right. Yes. And he hit he hit the field goal camera. <laughs> he wasn't on top of the post. I remember I that. Like, I was like, that that's my nightmare. That's why I don't want to do this. <laughs> exactly so. All right, let's go to the phones. We got CR in Cleveland or Chicago. CR, how you doing? Good morning, you all. You all foggy. CR, feeling this in Chicago. I am so happy to talk to you, brother. I have missed you so much, so 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 much. Indeed, CR. It's good to hear your voice. We talked to Ed and we talked to Juan and, you know, uh, we've been, you know, the thing about it is there's a big hole here in the locker room. Uh, We lost our our man Chalooch. He's with Jesus now. And, uh, you know, I know there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain for, you know, my buddy. And at the same time, we want to, you know, be uplifted and we welcome Max and I'm CR, uh, uh, Max CR is a longtime caller from the Windy City, where Tunch was from. So there was a lot yeah. of give and take over, you know, Chicago st- style stuff. So anyhow, I just I, CR Max Max CR. I, I'm making yeah, introductions. Max, Max, I, uh, uh, I I got you on the wall. Up, I got I got this big old picture up here, and uh, I believe you. I can't exactly see you, but uh, Walter Imercrom is in the backfield, and. Uh, uh, so we got a whole bunch of guys up here, and uh, and uh, you're playing against the Browns. But anyway, I got you. I, I know who you are. I'm very familiar w- with your game plan. I'm happy that you are a part of of, of our show, and uh, I look <laughs> yes. forward to communicating with you <laughs> on a regular basis. So, uh, Wolf, yeah, I, uh, no. I I miss our boy. I miss him very, very dearly. Yeah. I um. So I, I can't, I get choked up. So let me just stop. Um, anyway, because yeah, hey, the two of us are I, gonna melt yeah. down, CR, if you, if you keep on that track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got a chance to go. I got a chance to come out to the stadium. Uh, I got a free ticket to go see the guys practice, and then I left there and I went over to the Hall of Fame and I spent some time over there. So um, I didn't see you anywhere around there. I was looking for you, but but I missed you, brother. You probably missed me because I was probably eating somewhere or something. <laughs> I was wondering what, never mind, I won't go there. Anyway, uh, to the game. Hey, Max, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. But, Max, I'm telling you, man, you got to watch out because this guy here, he's got some serious issues. He's like, he likes to hug. He likes to eat. So you got you to be very careful with this guy, man. If, if, hey, if he messes with you, I'm going to give you my secret number. You give me a call, I, I get him straight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am a chronic hugger and, and, and a and, and also I'm I'm a I'm an eating addict, so so we're I think oh I think God. Wolf and I are gonna be good. <laughs> this, this, this is, I have my opinions about worse. Chicago food too. <laughs> this is getting worse. This is gonna be some serious issues here this year. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I brought the guys a pizza up there once. I came from he Chicago did. and it was over time. Crazy man, crazy man. We yeah. loved them so for anyway, it though. Yeah, let's talk some football. Um, first and foremost, um, 
all these people talking this smack about the Steelers, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers, the Steelers. Well, the Steelers are 1-0. Let's just go from there. They were talking about how Buffalo was going to do this, how Buffalo was going to do that. Uh, the Steelers are 1-0. Uh, one of the things, um, as far as game balls and everything, I just want to give the whole organization a game ball for being under under the the radar and coming out on top, smelling like a rose. Uh, now, my uh, my specific topic today, and Max, you you might be interested in this too. The Steelers are 88 years old, and this is the first time in Steelers history that they have an all black starting offensive line. I call them the five black horsemen. It's the first time in the history of the Steelers that this has ever happened. People say, well, that's no big deal. It is a big deal when you look at football, where it started, where it is today, and where it's going. So uh, any comments on the on this uh, historic uh, event? Well, I, I think, you you know, it, it's one of those things where I looked at it and, and yeah, th- this was a tremendous moment when you're thinking about offensive linemen, and being all black, I mean, our line was all minority when we won Super Bowl 43 because Chris Kimiyatu was a Pacific Islander, but <laughs> Juice Juice was our brother. Um, but you had Willie Colon, Darnell Stapleton. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, Justin Hartwick. So it was only four out of the five. And then when Marquise came in, it became still four out of five. But we, yeah, we never got all five being uh, being African-American. And that that is a tremendous moment. When you think about it, it's a special moment to say, wow, you know, you rolled it out. And you think with our country, with with progressing where yep. we're at, yep. uh-huh. um, it would happen in, in a lot of different areas. But it just never happened in Pittsburgh. So, no, it, it is a special, momentous moment. And to get a victory in that first outing, uh, yeah, it's really special. But I will say yeah. this, CR, let me tell you, in any huddle that I've ever been in any locker room, if you're in that locker room, you're in that hole, you're a brother of mine. And it was always oh, yeah. that way. And it didn't, to me, never looked around and said, all right, who here is Protestant? Who's here, you know, Catholic? Or, you know, who's here uh, conservative or liberal? You know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Race, color, creed, I, I would just, wouldn't matter. Because let I, me tell you something. When you're on the clock, baby, <laughs> and you got to hold off hey. the, the, you know, the, the wolves at the door, you don't care. You just huddle together, lock arms, and go, baby, go. All right. Yeah, I understand that. I'm with you 100%, and I, I, I support that. But, you know, we do live in this society, and it is what it is. Okay, moving on to game balls. Uh, I, I want to give a game ball to the, uh, to the entire team because it was a team effort. Offense. Uh, defense and special teams, blocking, uh, uh, picking up the ball, running in for a touchdown. I think all three, uh, all three phases came together, and the game could not have been won if one phase had not done uh, what it did. So that was cool. Uh, I want to shout out to our guys in the background there. Uh, Jake, he's been doing a wonderful job. Oh yeah. I want to also say um, to Ed and, and Juan. Hey, I'm, I'm making my list up for the 20 uh, 21 season. You know me. I'm gonna give you some statistics and stuff when I get it all together. But the, <laughs> I'm not gonna take any much time, any more time, because I know other people want to get in on there. So, uh, and my favorite, and my favorite saying, in the meantime and in between time, here we go, Steelers. Here we go. Thank you, Cr. Appreciate you, brother. All right. Appreciate it, CR. All right, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we'll have more with Wolf and Starks here on ESPN Radio and Steelers Nation Radio. They 
turn, he stumbles, he throws the ball, and the pick, and the Steelers play takeaway. Cam Sutton with another big play on fourth and one. Tackles Matt Freedom before he can get started with that lateral pass. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Right here in the Berg, all right? You got to be happy about it, okay? You got to be happy about it. You know, I mean, the thing about it is, Max, um, this victory was so huge because a lot of people were just, everybody was stacking up saying, hey, you know what, um, this Buffalo team, they're Super Bowl contenders, and you go in, and after a rough first half, you turn it all around, and you come away with a big V. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a tale of two halves, but I will say this. The one constant that was going on was that that d- the defense carried the team in that first half. I can't hear Matt. And it was very tough um, for that unit to just, to just continually do it because you, you're expecting the offense to kind of give you something, and the defense just carried them. And what I really enjoyed about it was Keith again. Butler's flexibility. Uh, the flexibility he had to uh, to be able to convert and change different things within their defensive principles with the personnel they had. I thought it was really cool to see this, the many iterations and different ways that he brought four and five guys on the tackle. So it was um, it was something that I was I was extremely happy to see in the second half. It just turned up to 11 when you had the offense clicking, you had the defense clicking and then to have that opportune play. And like CR said earlier, it was a total team effort. All three phases kicked in all at the same time uh, in that second half. It really catapulted the Steelers. You have to think, they were down 10-zip going into half, and then to go reel off 20 in a row points before the next opportunity for Buffalo to score came with a field goal, and then for Bozzi to go answer that field goal with another score to ice the game oh beautiful um you know what my my guy the my game ball i gotta go with cam sutton you know from all we've talked about already uh he's got he had five tackles two tackles for loss two passes defensed uh but they also happened to be those fourth downs that he made the play on that's like two turnovers that i mean that's the equivalent of interceptions fumble recoveries what have you but also on that third and one on the flea flicker he made a great play, uh, and, and you know, just to knock the ball down. Stephon Diggs is out there, and he's knocks he knocks the ball down, and I, you know, the thing about it is, you go, wow, that's sensational! What a great play to be able to go out there, and and be able to make the play on such a, a thing. That flea flicker was just wow. That was that was scary because to me, I thought that was a could be an opportunity for a big play, and that could turn things really bad for the Steelers. But Cam Sutton just came up big all day long. Well, he absolutely did. And then when you look at what Cam did, Cam attacked. It was a nine-man box because of that tight bunch, and you had him stacked up against the receiver and a deep safety. If Cam plays off, bites on a double move, and they throw that flea flicker pass, I don't think they make it. I think that's a touchdown. And that changes the entire complexion of this game in general. And no, Cam, Cam had, that, had that sixth sense that 
he knew he had to make the play, and he did. And and it was a tremendous turn of tide. The stadium silenced in that moment, and that's when you knew you had taken something from them that they expected to have. All right, are we, J- uh, Jacob? Are we good for calls? Okay, we're going to go to calls, my friend. And he, we have in the locker room next Jason from New Hampshire. And Jason, I can't do the. Tunchilk in New Hampshire or Jason, <laughs> that sort of thing like he could do. But it's good to have you back in the locker room, Jason. Welcome. I am so glad that you remembered that touch. Uh, or, yeah. Touch. Okay, well, Jason's not there. All right. the mind, he is what? there? Okay, I can't hear him. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. We're oh, having a little really? trouble, little issues with some of the equipment, what's going on here. And we're working at it, and we'll, we're trying to progressively make sure we produce the highest show we can here and do all the things we need to do. Um, but it would be like kind of like, you know, one time I, I'll never forget, we were flying from, uh, I don't know, Pittsburgh to Tampa. We landed hard in Tampa, right? So I was sitting in the back, and we came down, boom, and it bounced. One of those bouncers when you land, you know? And somebody yelled out, who yeah. let Myron Cope land the plane? <laughs> And sometimes when I'm here in the locker room and working at, at, at touching things, I screw things up for Jacob and for Brian Lamartine and everything else. So hopefully we're able to get this and be able to pull this off because certainly, you know, uh, this is just such a big day and I wanted to get Jason in. But by the way, Jason also sent some syrup from New Hampshire. So anyhow, you know, maybe we should take a break. We can't take a break? Okay. All right, so we're going to stick with it. And the fact of the matter is, uh, can we try the next call? Okay, no calls. All right, so we're still struggling here. All right, Maximus, I need you to come on board here and and be able to tell me exactly what Keith Butler was thinking. And by the way, it's Maximilian. My Maximus is my son. So didn't want to confuse (laughs) you there. But tell me what you thought about Keith Butler. Well, I, I thought it was a tremendous game plan by, by Keith Butler because what Coach Butts was able to do was present something that was going to be a challenge. We knew Josh Allen was a talented passer. We also knew that he loved to utilize his legs. He's a very mobile quarterback. So how do you keep a guy like Josh Allen corralled but under duress? And I thought the biggest thing that they did with the different formation lineups that really caused ID issues for the offensive line. So for me, it always made it confusing. It almost reminded me of of Baltimore in the early 2000s when we used to play them, where they would do what we call their schoolyard type of approach, where it was a schoolyard defense. Everybody's walking up, lining up everywhere. Well, they deployed that, but they did it in a different fashion. They lined up either Cam Hayward, Tyson, Wormley, Davis, Bugs to one side of the line of scrimmage. And then they would line up TJ, Mel, um, and uh, and Highsmith on another side. And then you'd even have them walking around. Or before the snap, when he'd give the down call for his line to get down set, they would then shift to it. They would overshift and then have the outside linebacker come and walk up and, and, and plant in what essentially is a three technique, which is right off of the right guard. Um, on his outside shoulder or play head up on him, what we call a two technique. And they did that so often. And then they would either slant to get back into position or slant themselves out of position. A couple of times they straight rushed, but it was that type of moment where 
you get the guys going, and now you have the offensive lineman confused because now you're so worried about what's happening on the front four, you don't see the mic ID. And so either Schobert is off on the side, coming from an outside blitz position, or you had Devin Bush kind of muddling in, walking up behind the scrimmage, backing up, and really forcing some stresses on the offensive line of trying to create that five-man gate. And I thought that was a tremendous job. And that's why we saw the pressure that we did. But also we saw that's why they got behind that third point. And then they just started having to pass. So what's the worst thing you could do to a team that's hitting home in the pass rush? Continue to pass the football. And that's what they got Buffalo to do. And they did it from a lot of different ways. At one point, I think there was eight DBs on the field or seven DBs on the field at once. And you just have four linemen in. So it was a great job of just really confusing and really freshening up the defensive approach and something that you think of the history, right? Butts was under LeBeau. They brought the 3-4, and they had those principles so long in there that you thought, oh, right. it must be a three-down with a, with a stand-up guy. But they were able to make it a four-down line. I think maybe – and I also think that Coach Tomlin as well might have had some influence because that's his background, four-down alignment. Right, right. So you wonder what that – meshing of minds between Tomlin, Butts, um, having Coach Mitchell in there, your associate head coach, and getting him in there to really craft a really great defensive game plan. Did you notice, and I I know you noticed because we talked about it, but uh, first and 10, playing Schobert deep, almost like a Tampa 2 guy. You know, he was was probably 8, almost 10 yards deep off the line of scrimmage. I know it's probably, you know, first and 10 is obvious passing down for Buffalo, and Matter of fact, so is second and one, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, they'll throw it any time. You know what I mean? But, you know, to see yeah, him exactly. back off the ball, Mel Ingram, I loved how they ran him from, you know, off a, like a stacked linebacker position. They ran a three me game. Remember the one we saw when you had TJ yeah. Watt drag his man inside Tyson Alu Alu and they shaved that corner and Ingram ran such a tight arc around and he put a nice whack on on Josh Allen when he was trying to deliver the ball that was some great schematics coming up yeah because it was almost like like Mike Tomlin had dove into the Tampa two tree from his time down in Tampa having a pre-drop of the Mike backer right because normally the Mike backer will stay at five and then he'll drop 10 in Tampa two that's that's a shell zone coverage but in this one they pre-align him there and then you run the inside stack, and we, we see the D linemen, right? They run around hula hoops all day in practice. You know, that's what I, I like to say. <laughs> they run around hula, hula hoops. Runners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but, but that's what you, but that's what you get. But those are the moments that it's, it, it makes sense. How tight you can run around that circle was a perfect example of Mel Ingram coming around that edge. And then, you know, just like anything else, you get that drafting going like in NASCAR. Yeah, you get the slingshot initiated in, in Bobby's world, you know, and he just launched into Josh Allen. So just that type of confusion and just getting the quarterback to think about something that's not the pass play or his route progression leads to those hesitations, which will lead to those hits. Beautiful. All right. We're going to be back to wrap up the final segment in the locker room with Wolfen Starks right here on ESPN Radio Pittsburgh and ES, well, whatever, you know. I forgot. (laughs) We'll be back after this.
jet motion. He hands it off to McKenzie, and he is hit. Melvin Ingram the third was right there saying, I think you belong to me. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Exactly is it, Steelers Nation Radio, uh, you know, which I, I couldn't remember last time for whatever reason. You know, like, uh, okay, this is not Buffalo Nation Radio or the Bills. No, it would be Steelers Nation Radio. So welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you. It's Wolf and Starks in the locker room with the bell lap coming. And uh, I will have to say this. Uh, it's been a interesting morning, has it not, Max? Yes, it has, Wolf. But you know what? All great things that are worth it take some time. And, you know, to make a cake, you got to break a few eggs. We broke a few eggs today, but we're still baking that cake. No doubt so, about it. Yeah, I love cake, too. You know, but one of the problems. Cake is, cake is great. Yeah, no doubt about <laughs> it. Um, one of the things that just happened is I just lost him in Zoom because my battery ran low. And there's nothing uh, we can do about it, so we're going to have to just do this running blind, my friend. So he, tomorrow what I'll, what I'll remember to do is to bring the plug in <laughs> so we can plug in. <laughs> that's You know what I mean? That's the way it goes, Max. I mean, this is just yeah. – we're just doing what we got to do. We're, we're troubleshooting, we're, babe. We're troubleshooting. We're troubleshooting, brother. No <laughs> doubt about it. So here we go. The, you know, this last segment here, one of the things that we opened with was the, the great play by Mel Ingram on – the jet sweep by McKenzie, right? Isaiah McKenzie. Now, one of the things I love about Mel Ingram, you know, he has a better bull rush than I, I, I thought. I knew he was good. I knew that this guy it was a run, down, a, a run game bully, as, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin called him. Uh, you watch him on some – you talk about setting the edge. This guy can really set the edge. He can set the edge, slam the door, and bully the back. You know what I mean? That's really what he, what he, he does. I am impressed with the rotation of these three guys. That I, It went much better than I thought it was going to go. Well, no, absolutely, and and you know one of the one of the nice things is I actually was with Melvin his rookie year in training camp in San Diego. Oh, really? And yeah, so I remember Mel as a young pass rusher, and I remember he was literally in Dwight Freeney's back pocket the entire <laughs> time I was there from from OTAs through training camp, and he has a vicious spin move. I don't know when he's going to deploy it. But he learned from one of the best spin move guys of all time in Dwight Freeney. And I know he has it. I know he has it in his arsenal. I don't think this game really gave him an opportunity. I think because of all the schematics of the slanting, the twisting, and the blitzing that was going on from, from the defensive front. But when you get into base um, pass rush where he's just an edge guy rushing off the edge, don't be surprised when that move comes out. And, and because it is something that he learned it, he learned how to do it. I'm not going to give the secrets away until post-game analysis. Right. When he does do it, we can break it down because we know that not only do friendlies listen to this show, but we also know enemies listen. So I'm not going to give anybody any cannon fodder. But, you know, Mel is a talented pass rusher. When healthy, he's one of the best in this league. And he's playing very healthy. We, we thought a little bit. We were worried yesterday. When he took that one hit, yes, and, and, his, and the helmet came off, and, and he cut, and he cut the top of his his forehead, um, but luckily it was just that, and he literally came out for a play, dot, b- blotted the blood off with a Gatorade towel, and ran back in the game. So I was like, man, 
I was like, I remember those days. Like, hey, it's, it's just a scratch. It's like, are you hurt or are you injured? There's a difference between the two. And he and he was like, I'm ready to go. Threw his helmet back on and got back in the game. He did indeed. You know, I I had to admit I was a little bit worried there because you know he laid there and he looked like he got nogginated a little bit. But all it was was a cut on the forehead. And you know, one of the guys that uh, also I kind of expected a little bit more, but uh, you know, Chase Claypool. He had that nice 25-yard run. He had three catches for 45 yards. Um, you know, Chase, he, he is he is one of these guys that I keep thinking, and I know Deontay is a guy that is so highly targeted, and Ben speaks so highly of him. And you also know that, you know, Juju, of course, is going to get his targets and shares and everything. But Chase Claypool, man, I just believe this guy is going to be um, one of those special players uh, if he if he just continues to develop, what, what do you think about him? You know, I, I love Chase. I love the matchup issue that he presents because he's built like a tight end and runs like a wide receiver. And that's a matchup when you're throwing the 50-50 ball, right? When you're throwing the ball in the air to the right. receiver, you're hoping that it's more so in his favor. But he he has a great job of either body awareness, being able to box a guy out and get the ball, or like we saw yesterday, just go right up over his back and steal and steal it like a rebound. You know, exactly. Over, over a defender. Um, the thing that he's just going to have to work on, I think, is being a little bit more technical in his route running. I think what Deontay has the advantage of, Deontay is an excellent technical route runner. What I mean by that is he runs the exact route to the exact depth, takes the proper cut, and uses his steps wisely. The thing that Chase kind of, because he's a longer strider, Chase tends to get out of position. What I mean by that, either he cuts the route short by a yard or right. he takes it one yard too far. And sometimes that puts you out of position. And that's the one thing he's going to continually have to work on is how do I get my steps? How many steps does it take for me to get to the seven-yard break? That's what you kind of have to put in your repertoire as you become more refined as a receiver. I know you're hearing an offensive lineman talk about the technicalities of wide receiver route running, but that that's a relationship, you know, that as a lineman, I want to know what everybody does. That's that curiosity phase, right? I want to know what everybody does and how they do it. So I've talked to Hines over the years because that was another guy who was excellent as technical route running because he didn't have the physical tools to beat a guy, right? With the, He didn't have the speed, you know, he didn't have necessarily your prototypical size for a wide receiver. So he had to do the little things right. And talking to Hines, that's how I understood that better. And then when you look at it, you're like, oh, that makes perfect sense now when you look, when you actually watch the film and you break it down. So that's one of the things. But I love what he presents because he presents a physical and a matchup nightmare to the opposing team. And as he continues to develop, it's just going to only get better and better for him. You know, it's really funny because I, I remember Hines telling Tunch one time, he said, you got to run the know how to run a route three different speeds. You know, that's really, you know, that's where you get mastery. Yeah. Like you said, that step that you're talking about having, how many steps does it take to get to the seven yard out? But if you do it at three different speeds, that's running uh, routes at another level. You know what I mean? That's creating a situation that for you know, the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, it's that's tremendous. But the fact is, you know who else said you got to do things at different speeds? The great B.B. King. All right, you remember B.B. King, the blues man? 
He said he only knew one oh, yeah. song, but he played at three different speeds when he first started. <laughs> his first band. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious when I when I heard about him saying. He said, "Yeah, our first gig." He said, "We only had like three songs, but we played each one of them like at three different tempos, and <laughs> and that was their whole their whole gig." So, all right. Well, yeah. the, coming down to the end of this year, just before we go. You know, I I look at this and I think to myself, the defense flashed so strong. The offense came on at the appropriate time, you know, when things are are, are looking a little tough. But the special teams really, in my mind, were were the solid glue behind it. The defense and the special teams really floated the Steelers' boat and and really brought the game together. Yeah, no, I, I, they they did, they did. Everything cul- you know culminated. I mean, we had our moments where we looked at through the preseason. You know, you always look at the beginning of the season. You're like, what is this going to be, right? You try and you try and predict and speculate, and that's what we do in the media world, right? We try and predict and speculate how teams are going to do, but you never know how they're going to do until they actually go put the product on the field. And yesterday was the first step on that journey. And I have to say, man, the resiliency the togetherness of all three phases coming together were excellent. And just think about this. Yes, the offense started slow, but all, all good things always take time to come together. I think as we progress, if everybody can continue to get, you know, as Alex Highsmith said in our post-game interview, if everybody can get 1% better every single day, then we're in a good place. Cause I like where their starting point exactly. is. If they get 1% better every single day, this team is going to be a load for anybody, and I fear the people on the train tracks as this Steeler train keeps moving. <laughs> well, Max, this is our first one in the books. Wolf and Starks in the locker room. The Godfather's up next, Stan Saverin. I want to appreciate, uh, just say thank you to you, Max, for uh, you know coming aboard here. Enjoyed it so very much. Thanks for, for the folks out there suffering through some of our technical difficulties. Some of it's self-inflicted. You know, we, we do have that. That's part of the process of getting 1% better every day. But we'll be back with more starting tomorrow, right back at 10 o'clock. Thanks so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards.